At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com. At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com. In the late 1990s and in the early 2000s, Weird New Jersey Magazine profiled a decades-old cold case murder that was so chillingly bizarre, it defied explanation. The magazine's editors, Mark Moran and Mark Skirman, began to receive a series of anonymous letters regarding a teenager who was supposedly the victim of either Satanists, a coven of witches, her own peers, or, perhaps most shockingly, a police cover-up. Through these strange letters, Weird New Jersey Magazine was able to present an incomplete telling of the story of Jeanette De Palma. This coverage eventually led to the 2015 book, Death on the Devil's Teeth, The Strange Murder That Shocked Suburban New Jersey, authored by myself, Jesse P. Pollock, and Weird New Jersey's Mark Moran. In this audio series, we're going to discuss the events that led to the book's creation, the strange... At T-Mobile, you don't have to choose between a great network and the best prices. We give you both. Switch your family of three or more from AT&T or Verizon to T-Mobile Essentials, and you'll save up to 50% off your current service and smartphones. Bring your current phones to T-Mobile, and we'll pay them off up to $450 each. Visit T-Mobile.com to find out how to save up to 50%. Up to $450 via virtual prepaid card for eligible device payoff. Allow 15 days. Savings may vary. See T-Mobile.com occurrences during its writing, and the developments since its publication. This is the story of a truly frightening time in suburban America. So what really happened? Let's go back to September 1972. That month, Bobby Fischer became the first American world chess champion... The Price is Right and MASH debuted on television. Eleven Israeli athletes were murdered by the Black September terrorist group at the Munich Summer Olympics. And on September 19th, a parcel bomb sent to London's Israeli embassy exploded, killing one diplomat. Also on that day, patrolman Donald Schwert of the Springfield, New Jersey Police Department made a discovery that changed his and countless others' lives forever. I was on the Springfield Police Department uh, for 29 years, I was a patrolman when this incident happened. When I retired in 1989, I was a lieutenant. But I was a patrolman on patrol the day of this incident that I uh, was detailed to. What, um, when you say this incident, what incident are you referring to? We had a, they radioed me that. This woman had found 
an arm on the lawn of her, the apartment complex where she lived. And when I got there, I figured it was going to be a mannequin's arm because this lady was always being harassed by few of the kids that lived in the apartment complex. For some reason, I don't know what the reason was, but I figured this was a mannequin with ketchup on the arm. Fellow Springfield patrolman Ed Kish was also on duty that day. I was on patrol and a call had come in that a dog had brought a forearm and hand home to its owner that lived at the Baltimore apartment. Now, the Baltus Royal Gardens apartment complex is situated on Wilson Road in Springfield Township, only about a third of a mile away from the world-famous Baltus Royal Golf Course. When I got there, the arm was laying in the grass, and I looked at it and I said, oh, this is human, because I could see the fingernails and the color of the skin. And I asked her how the arm got there, and she said uh, her dog found it. So I said, well, can I see your dog? And she had a dog, a little puppy. And I said, well, this puppy couldn't, but got this arm to here. So that threw us off a little bit. And then later on, a woman that lived in the complex said she had a Dalmatian dog that she let run. So that's how we found out the Dalmatian dog brought the arm to that location. So what was the next step? You have this arm just without a body. What do you do now? Well, I radioed headquarters that they better send the detectives up. They decided that we better have a search party to check the roadbed of 78, which was just being built. It was only dirt. Retired detective Ed Kish. Basically, all of us were dispatched to that area up there, and we tried to coordinate uh, a foot search on the, I guess that you could call it the, uh, the north side of Shunpike Road. Right. And then we all switched over to the south side. And we're not talking a lot of men. We're talking two, three, or four at the most. We had the prosecutor's office, the sheriff's department with a bloodhound and uh, our group of men. And we were going to break up into teams to search the uh, quarry area there because that was right by where we the apartment complex was. And uh, we were walking along the roadbed on 78, and then we found the upper part of the uh, right arm on the ground. So we radioed to everybody that we'd found another piece. And it was just by a physical search, Don Schwert called out over the radio that he found a body. We were scoured all across the uh, quarry, and I was first one up on this knoll and I spotted the body right away. Hearing Schwartz's radio call, Ed Kish entered the woods surrounding Springfield's Hudai Quarry. He soon found the large hill where Schwartz had made his discovery. Getting up to the top, Don Schwartz was still there. I believe Howie Thompson also was up there. Springfield detective Howard Thompson had already made his way up the hill to take photographs of the body. Thompson would later play a key role in this investigation. We were physically then viewing um, what was there? Uh, it was a it was a body. I couldn't tell you whether it was male or female, although it was suspected that it might have been a female because there was a pocketbook there. The clothing was so so shaped, but the body was deteriorated. Well, it was a flat area, 
and I'd say maybe 20 feet around, flat. The, uh, she had no shoes on or socks, but the animals had eaten most of the flesh off her feet all around her head and everything. And uh, she was laying face down and she had a blue uh, t-shirt on and tan slacks. Now this is where the memories of Don Schwartz and Ed Kish kind of differ. So whether it was pants or skirt, I couldn't tell you. Um, there was a shirt. Like, I don't recall what color, whether it was uh, a solid, uh, checkered, or plaid, or what. Was the body lying face up or face down? I believe it was face up. What about the orientation of the limbs? I kind of remember probably they were at her side. Mark and I later showed Don Schwartz a diagram we had made for our book based on several different eyewitness descriptions of the body, and Schwartz confirmed that the remaining arm, the left arm, was found under the body's head, like it had been resting on it. He also confirmed that the body was found lying face down, not on its back. The issue of police reports plays a pretty big role in this story, but we'll get back to that later. We have to get the coroner up there to make the pronouncement and everything before they could move the body. So then they were deciding how to move the body without disturbing any of the bones or anything, so they got a backboard up there, but we had to wait for the coroner to come. It had been decided that the easiest way to take that body out of there because the side of the the hill was so steep was to call the fire department and let them use their ladder truck. Right, and remove the body from the quarry side. Now, while efforts were underway to remove the body from this location, Don Schwartz began to realize that the clothing on the remains closely matched the description of the clothing last seen on a local teenage girl who had been missing for six weeks by that point. I had remembered that this girl was missing, this De Palma girl. She had been missing probably two months, and uh, everybody thought she had run away. And uh, they had a description of what she was wearing, the blue t-shirt and the uh, tan slacks. Don Schwartz wasn't the only Springfield officer on the scene that day who was thinking of the local runaway. If we go back to when we were over to Baltimore Apartments, uh, Dominic Olivio came up there. And I think at that point, he was assigned to the detective bureau. And the first thing in mind, him and I had a conversation, because we were friends, and I had worked with him in the detective for a while. Um, his comment was, it could be Jeanette De Palma. That theory came about because he said, it's the only runaway we have in Springfield. So that there were thoughts on behalf of members of the Springfield Police Department. It could be Jeanette De Palma. And then the prosecutor's office of the detective bureau took over and we just were pushed aside. and. The big wheels took over and started their own investigation. My co-author, We're New Jersey's Mark Moran, discussed the initial stages of this investigation with Ed Kish back in 2013. Now, uh, what about uh, evidence collection at the scene? Um, Did somebody go through the forest floor with a fine-tooth comb looking for um, any articles of evidence that might have fallen beneath the leaves or into the dirt? That would have been the job of the detective bureau, which most likely would have been either Bob Taft, Howie Thompson, Sam Calabrese, 
Oh, I believe Dominic Olivio, he was in the detective drug town. I think he was. Did, was anything recovered that would somehow lead to uh, anybody believing in a cause of death? I mean, well, let's say there was no evidence that there was something used that might have been uh, facilitated, uh, a suicide or anything like that. No, the best that I can recall, there was not anything that was found there that would be that could be used to conclusively say So now investigators were left with a body, but no clues, no murder weapon, no obvious signs of trauma thanks to the body's extensive decomposition. Where would they go from here? Investigators hoped an autopsy of the remains would reveal key answers. Once it was removed from the quarry, the body was brought to the Sullivan Funeral Home in nearby Roselle. The funeral home had been functioning as a de facto morgue for Union County Police at the time. Working on the intuition of Schwert and Olivo, Springfield Detective Sergeant Sam Calabrese decided to secure the dental records of the missing girl, Jeanette De Palma. Calabrese located De Palma's dentist and drove him and her dental records to Sullivan's morgue. I spoke with this dentist in 2014 under the strictest terms of anonymity. I remember specifically that she, that the body was on a, on a, on a morgue table, a metal table, and that table was covered in plastic. And when I arrived, they kind of unwrapped the plastic so that I could have access to the body. Now it was handed to me, uh, or skull, so to speak. She was just wrapped in plastic. It may have been a plastic zip-up bag. I just know that the plastic was unfolded and that I was able to then handle uh, parts of the body to determine from the dental records that it was her. Um, but at the time, it was a very harrowing experience. installation of this series, we'll discuss the source of this doctor's fears and why efforts to understand Jeanette De Palma's death through her autopsy were unsuccessful. Special thanks to Donald Schwert and his family, Ed Kish, Mark Moran, Mark Skirman, Rusty and Christina from Antiquity Echoes, and Weird New Jersey's cult of the letter senders. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? 
Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia.